It's another fine day at Camp Dynasty. I'm Counselor Austin, joined by Counselor Colin, and we're here to talk about some quarterbacks. Absolutely. What's up? Oh, goodness. I'm, I'm excited. I'm confused. I've been watching the tape of these guys, and I left with less clarity than I came on than I came in with. Well, the beautiful thing about this stage of the process. So we're coming off of episode one. We're talking big board, big picture, top five, running backs, wide receivers. Now we get a chance to really dive in specifically to some of these players. And the beautiful part about the fact that it's August, the beginning of August, is that these are not finished products in a very different way than they're not finished at the end of this season, where we don't have to project what they'll do in the NFL in terms of development. We have an entire college football season that is awaiting us in a few weeks where these guys will have opportunities to show how they've progressed since last season. And some of these guys are very young, so there's a lot of potential growth that we could see even this year. So I don't know about you, but in terms of my rankings, I'm kind of taking a more projection approach where some of the guys on this list, like they're not the best quarterbacks in, in that I would say are like ready for the NFL now, but maybe in five months from now, they will be. Yeah. I kind of took into account a little bit of both where it's like, what do I think they'll do versus how good they looked last year? And I I really wanted to look at how they did like down the stretch because that's usually the momentum they'll carry into the next year. So yeah, I, I, I don't know if every ranking is solid, but that's what, that's why we do this. We're going to have this conversation and kind of work out where we think these guys belong. And I, I think you know, I'm not going to sit here and be like, yeah, this is right. This is where they'll be drafted in 2023 draft yep. because that's not my job. <laughs> my job is to look at these guys and, and tell you this is what I think of this player and this is why I have them ranked here. And I, that's that's what we'll be doing today. Yeah, and there's no there's no grades yet. Like I don't have solid grades on these guys yet. It's just kind of based on the tape that I watched – how comfortable do I feel with these players and then putting them in that order? And that's kind of where we are. It, and that's, you know, that's why it's an awesome time. Cause I'm excited. Like we talked about last week, I'm excited to just watch these guys this year. This got me fired up for college football because I'm like, I got to tune into this game because we got to see how X does. And, and we're going to get into those names and things and maybe even a few honorable mentions and things like that. But Overall impressions of for, of this class compared to last year, I would say much better. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with that. I uh, I <laughs> looking at these guys versus the the quarterback breakdown we did last year on the the Keel Pro show, the uh, the Dynasty show, and that was pretty hard. Once you got into you know three, four, five of those quarterbacks this one it's like you got i have a solid three that i'm very comfortable with and then like four through seven have been like shuffling through uh could honestly put them anywhere and that that's where i'm really interested to watch them in the college season 
to see where those guys are going to shuffle end up. And maybe one of them jumps into the top three and one of the top three falls out. I mean, it's wide open because all these guys are really talented. Absolutely. So with all that being said, how about we dive right into it? We got five campers each we're talking about today. And I'm going to hand it over to you for your number five quarterback. All right. Well, I'm actually going to leave you hanging for a second. I I have to ask you a philosophical question. Okay, okay. So this is going to come up a few times when we talk about this class because of the talent surrounding the quarterbacks. So so when when you're looking at these quarterbacks, how much does the supporting cast skew your uh, evaluation of these guys? Because for me... Uh, two of these are at smaller schools with worse supporting supporting casts, and then the other three are at bigger schools with a lot of good skill players around them and a and better offensive line. So, how do you sit here and and evaluate that like from a bare bones nature? I think number one, it starts with NFL throws. You have to find the NFL throws on tape because if guys are just constantly wide open, the guy's working through the system, he's making the reads he's supposed to, the guy's wide, the receiver's wide open because he's a superior talent to the DB that he's up against, then you start to say, okay, the guy looks good, but what's he going to do when there's pressure in his face? What's he going to do when that window is a half of a foot, you know? So I think for me, the number one thing that I was looking for with with these players across the board is just NFL throws. Are they making the throws that they are going to have to make at the next level consistently enough that I can say, okay, I trust you at the next level to make those types of throws. So when we talk about those guys that you're referencing with with the superior supporting cast, and I think anybody who's familiar with this draft class and such knows who we're talking about already it it does factor in and we're gonna we'll we'll have to talk about it a little bit um because it definitely it's they they definitely had an easier job than some of these other guys right all right well we'll start off with my number five and this is uh my biggest projection here um and that's florida quarterback anthony richardson uh, he did not throw the ball a lot. And so that's why it's a, a lot of projection here. But in, uh, the, the LSU game specifically is the one that you see flashes of what could be an elite dual threat quarterback. And that, that's basically what Anthony Richardson is. He's, he's a huge guy, six four, two thirty two. 232. Uh, he had... A not great season, again, throwing the ball, but he is very electric on his feet. He was basically used as a gadget player last year, and then he came in at the beginning of this year and was used sparingly again until he kind of took over late in the season. And you, you see the, the 42-49 shootout with LSU. He had 167 passing yards, three touchdowns, two picks, and you see a lot of NFL throws like you were talking about before the windup is a little long and that that can be fixed because he hasn't thrown a lot of passes but he's super comfortable in the pocket 
He knows when to leave the pocket, when to run, and he he can make every throw on the field. And that that's what's super important to me. And that that kind of screams NFL talent to me. And there's a lot that he has to clean up though. And that's why I just want to get him in at 5, my final quarterback. I wanted to talk about him and uh so yeah, Anthony Richardson. I like this guy. We we don't share these rankings ahead of time, by the way, and Anthony Richardson is also my number five quarterback. Oh, let's so, go. <laughs> so, yeah, everything you just said, it, it, it's it's spot on. And that's kind of where we get into this conversation about projection because we are very lucky that this player has a full college season coming up. to prove what he has as a passer. Because like you said, there isn't a ton of work behind him. Last season as a whole, he only had 527 passing yards with six touchdowns and five interceptions. So you look at the box score, you look at the numbers backing him up, and, and you're sitting here scratching your head. Like, why are we talking about this guy as a top potential top NFL quarterback prospect? And it's because of the tools. It is 100% because of the tools that he possesses as an athlete and the arm talent that he has. While it's incredibly raw, the you know mechanically and fundamentally, there's things that need to be cleaned up there. Um, and obviously, he has a ton of you know growth left in in at the quarterback position, just simply because he hasn't played it very often. So that's why this season. This is going to be one of the players that everybody should be paying attention to because when we talk about fantasy, I don't put too much stock into, you know, like rushing upside is excellent to have, obviously, but you have to be able to play quarterback to be a fantasy relevant quarterback. Like that's just how it is. So when you talk about a guy like this, if he puts it together and he's, you know, uh, he's not a liability as a passer. He has that sort of upside as a rusher where you're starting to think, oh, what do we what do we have with this guy in terms of f- potential fantasy production? A um, little bit similar to the situation last year with Malik Wills because mm-hmm. you're talking about a guy who doesn't show you everything you want to see on tape, but you see the flashes and you see the athletic ability and you start to think, okay, what can this guy be? Yeah, exactly. And uh, Willis – threw a lot more on tape for you and and plays a right. he's a lot more of a, a physical player i think than yep. than richardson but the the idea that it's like this raw passer with a huge arm and a ton of upside is kind of one-to-one and the thing with willis is that he had his kind of breakout season and then he went to the nfl the cool thing about richardson is that we get to see a full season of him as a starter at florida now when when you look at the games that are available on tape, he makes two or three bonehead decisions a game where that's going to get cleaned up. That That's something that's easily coachable. It's like, hey, you can't throw leaning back with a guy in your lap and try to throw it 50 yards. Like, I love that you have confidence in your arm talent, but that's not going to fly. And so that that'll easily get cleaned up. And his footwork, like you said, is really raw. He has the kind of Cam Newton statue in the pocket where he just kind of sits 
and scans his reads with his feet flat. I don't love that. It, I'd, I'd rather, since he's so dynamic, he gets a little bit of movement in there, kind of stays bouncy on his feet, so he can kind of shift his uh, his his lower body before he makes those throws. But the, again, all this stuff is very coachable. It's yep. it's not something where it's bad habits yet because he hasn't had time to form bad habits. He hasn't been a starting quarterback long enough. So hopefully Florida can kind of mold him into a better thrower of the football because he's already super dynamic on his feet. 100%. And, yeah, it's going to be – I mean, he has the most – room for growth he has the most money on the table let's say this year he can make himself a lot of money this year if he shows you know significant growth as a passer this season so I'm glad you put him in there because I was I was like unsure too like you know right now if you're asking me who's the who's the fifth most ready best quarterback for the NFL this guy's not on the list no but he's not projection top He's not in top anywhere near the top. Yeah. If you're talking about <laughs> if he were to declare today, he's no, right. not at all. But luckily we get a lovely college football season to watch him. All right. Well, we're in agreement there. Number five. How about number four? Who you have there? Well, I have another guy who has a ton of talent, a ton of arm talent, and struggled last year. Is transferring this year. Hopefully, gets a fresh start. Spencer Rattler uh, is going to be at South Carolina. So he was a five-star recruit. He was one of the best quarterbacks in the nation. Basically, was number one on everybody's list. He had a pretty solid 2020 year, and then he was coming in after finishing strong in 2020 as like the Heisman front runner bet. Everybody thought he was the next up, and it was pretty disappointing. Um, and then he got benched for Caleb Williams, and we saw what Caleb Williams did. We talked about him a little bit on the last pod, uh, Caleb Williams with USC now, that that offense is very exciting. Rattler, on the other hand, not a lot of people are excited about. He's uh, this this big ego guy. He's uh, kind of a lot of antics on the field, so leaves a sour taste in some people's mouth. And a lot of people were ready to kind of dunk on him when he played poorly last season. And they did. <laughs> a lot of people <laughs> did. And he so he didn't live up to the hype last year. It was a little bit weird. Him and Lincoln Riley didn't have a great relationship. Lincoln was pretty ready to put in Caleb Williams. And we can see that obviously Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams have a relationship given that Williams – transferred there right after Lincoln Riley got the coaching job there so there may have been some behind the seams turmoil that maybe we weren't seeing but at the end of the day Rattler played poorly and that's why he's number four on this list rather than number one if he played well last year he would still be he'd probably be an NFL quarterback like he would be ready to go because the arm talent is incredible the ball's just spins out of his hand. He's a little small. He's only 6'1", 215, but, I mean, smaller guys have succeeded. We see Russell Wilson. We see Kyler Murray. We see plenty of people go out there and have fine NFL careers. But Rattler, he the arm talent is incredible, man. It's like, watching the tape, it's like, man, 
put it together, <laughs> put it together. The, the get back to that twenty twenty form. Um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm excited to watch him in a new situation. Hopefully, the experience humbled him a little bit because he definitely needed it. Uh, but yeah, Spencer Rattler, number four. You talk about a guy who was expected to be the number one overall pick in a draft and you watch him fall from grace in a meteoric way. I mean, a a decline that was truly something to watch last year as we saw the, the quarterback rankings adjust and then, you know, he transfers and now he has that fresh start that you, that you referenced, but man, yeah, (laughs) he, he is a guy that, like you said, he he he's making enemies he's making enemies and i don't think a lot of people kept him on their radar too much i think people kind of moved on they said you know this guy was he had all the hype then you find out maybe he doesn't have the ability that you think he does the character has some question marks he's undersized suddenly we're talking about some other players ahead of him so i don't have him in my top five I don't even have him in my top seven. Oof. Um, but he like, you know, like Anthony Richardson, he has a lot of money to make this year. Yeah, because <laughs> he can make that money right back if he if he balls out this year, shows you know whatever was happening last year wasn't you know an indiction of what he is as a player then, yeah, I mean, he, he has the arm talent. That's for certain. I mean, you take a look at early last year game against Western Carolina. <laughs> he did what he was supposed to against them. He had five touchdowns, no interceptions, had a passing grade of 91.7 from PFF. Lights out. Yep. You work through the season. And we know what happens. So where was the disconnect there? That's what we need to find out. Yep. And again, this is a all projection here. This is a, a upside kind of bet yep. on Rattler. I, I believe in the talent still. And there, it just seems like such a huge fall off for him that it, it just doesn't really make football sense to me where it's, you see him in 2020. He played well. He he wasn't like like Heisman type, but down the stretch he was good. And then he comes back the next year and is this much worse. It just like something isn't quite adding up for me. And it it's almost like you're thinking about him looking over his shoulder, that kind of thing. It just some some felt weird there. To me, it's just scary because of all the instances where we have seen a player like that take a step backward, rarely do they jump back ahead, right. you know? So it's one of those things where now that he has already regressed in, in many ways, he has a lot more to prove. Like, he, he's not going to get that benefit of the doubt this year, I don't no. think. He's going to really have to show it, and, and that'll you know be what it takes to get him back uh in that in that top five conversation like you have him right here absolutely and yeah i'm I'm excited to hear who you're you have sitting here at number four uh, see this is this is a very tough spot number four is a tough spot i mean i put we put anthony richardson in the top five for that projection but 
My number four is a little bit less of a projection, but he's also not a guy with as much upside uh, that I see with most of these other players, and that is Tyler Van Dyke from Miami. So Van Dyke checks the boxes from a size profile. He's the 6'4", 225, not a, not a statue passer but he's a pocket passer he has you know he has a little bit of mobility to escape pressure and and make a few plays with his feet but he's not at all a guy that you know is going to be able to do that consistently Um, why I have him at number four is because he has a lot of those NFL throws that you're looking for Mm -hmm. he knows he knows how to reach all levels of the field um, and it's not, it's not entirely consistent. Like there's, there's instances on his tape where you're kind of like, okay, like, you know, is this, uh, is this Jared Goff or is this, you know, something more than that at an NFL level? So, um, I saw enough from him to get excited about what he could become this season. I mean, like I said, not a guy with a ton of upside per se, but a guy that I could definitely see having a a, a good NFL career, um, just off of the trait, his arm talent traits, and and how he uh, looked last year. Um, thinking about him kind of commanding that Hurricanes offense this year, I think he has a chance to kind of put himself right in this spot. Yeah, I I like this one a lot because I had uh, Van Dyke kind of fighting for number four with Rattler. I wanted to keep Richardson at five just because I wanted to talk about him. I was excited about him. But it was either Rattler or Van Dyke at four. And I yeah, he, he has a lot of those prototype NFL quarterback vibes where it's like this is the kind of guy that makes all the throws. This is the kind of guy that you can drop back forty times a game if you need to, put him in the gun, put him drop back, go play action. He can kind of do a little bit of everything. Uh he doesn't make a ton of mistakes. If you look at the interception count, he only ended up he had six last year. A lot of games was zero. I mean, he had a, a bad game against UNC. But outside of that, it was a pretty clean season. He went over three hundred every game in the pet in the last six games of the year. So it, this is exactly the kind of person you're looking for especially if you're running one of those like um zone scheme offenses where your quarterback just is a vessel to get the ball to receivers through your system like your Kyle Shanahan kind of offense where it's like not only do you not have to think but you have to make all these throws and Tyler Van Dyke he'd be able to like hit the bombs hit the middle hit the short throws. I, I feel like he, he can kind of do a little bit of everything. Yeah, that's that's about where you project him. I mean, this isn't – I'm not going to sit here and say I think Van Dyke has the traits to be, you know, a top five, top eight kind of quarterback in the NFL. But if you can get a guy that can play the position exactly. effectively and not be a liability, then you're already ahead of a lot of teams. So. Yeah. Um, Van Dyke is a guy, I mean, kind of talking to some of those throws that, that you see on tape, um, PFF has a, has a metric called, uh, big time throws, which yep. are essentially NFL throws, uh, that they grade in terms of down the field, tight windows, etc. And Tyler Van Dyke of all of the, what I'll call relevant pro prospect quarterbacks, was number two in big time throw percentage last year behind mm. Malik Willis. <laughs> <laughs> I 
And we, we, we're we pro Malik Willis on this podcast. We are. I can tell you that. QB1 from last year. So, yep. I mean, you talk about a guy who flashes those sorts of traits, that, that sort of ability to go down the field, bucket balls, hit the tight windows, hit the, hit the, hit the boundaries and things of that nature. Um, so yeah, I'm, I mean, I was excited uh, from what I saw from him and, and what he can be, you know, growing even more this year. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm excited to see. I like it when Miami's good at football too. It's, it's yeah. always nice. Like having some of those old, like OG schools be like Texas getting back into it would be nice. USC, Miami, all would be nice to have them all be good next year. Not just have it be Alabama and everybody else. There's a lot going on in the college football world right now that might be driving that uh, notion forward. Schools yeah. with a little bit more money might uh, find <laughs> themselves in more of a competitive situation. But um, all right, well, top three. I'm gonna I'm gonna wager a guess and say that we have the same three names. I don't know, I don't know about the order, but. Number three for you. Well, we're both going to have some combination of the same three guys. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people have this guy at number one that I've seen oh, in boy. consensus ranking. So I have Alabama's quarterback, Bryce Young, at number three. Um, this is not to say that he's bad at quarterback. I don't. I want to get that out in front. I'm not saying he sucks. Again, Bryce Young is great. <laughs> <laughs> but I just see more out of the next two guys than I do out of Bryce Young. Bryce Young is a, a undersized guy again, six foot one ninety five. He's kind of like skinny Russell Wilson is how I feel about him. The way he moves and the way he kind of manipulates a pocket, gets out of the pocket, makes throws on the run. He's great on the run and improvising. Uh, he lets his weapons do a lot of work, which is admirable out of a quarterback because some guys try to do it all themselves. And Bryce Young finds a way to get his targets the ball, and that's all that matters at the end of the day. He has the most gaudy stats out of any of the guys we're going to talk about. He had 4,800 yards, 47 touchdowns, and seven interceptions. So that's a – Won the Heisman. Yeah, that's a much better season than anybody else that we've talked about by far. And uh, what what makes me nervous about Bryce Young, though, you might ask? Why do I have him at number three instead of number one? Well, he's not great with pressure in his face. It's once that pressure breaks through the whole line, he backpedals and he wants to get out of there. He can't stand in the face of pressure and deliver a good ball to a receiver. Uh, he can, but it's, it's not – every time it's not consistent and so that makes me nervous he's mostly just the skittishness scares me it's like once that play breaks down it kind of reminds me of how Tua looks in the NFL and I'll bring that that Alabama to Alabama quarterback comparison in because it's natural uh but Tua when he gets off that first read it's like oh okay we gotta make this happen now and luckily for Bryce Young the first read was Jameson Williams for most of the season at Alabama and that made his life really easy because Jameson Williams was incredible and electric and Brian Robinson was really good out of the backfield Mechie obviously he had for a part of last year but 
it once those weapons started dwindling down and it's hard to use the national championship as the like kind of standpoint because you're going into that game expecting to have Jamison Williams and game planning with Jamison Williams on your team in mind and then you lose them mid game so I get why you wouldn't perform your best and he still had a pretty solid game but throughout the season it's just it, it seemed like when they were playing good competition with a solid pass rush Bryce was super uncomfortable I'm glad that you have him at number three I have him at number two but I am glad that we are in agreement that this is not necessarily a bulletproof type of a prospect here because I think there is a notion right now that the you know the the CJ Shroud, Bryce Young, you know one two in the draft stuff. Like every we've been talking about this for over a year because of how bad the quarterbacks were last year. But Bryce Young is not he's not quite there yet. And that's another thing. You win a Heisman Trophy, and we're sitting here saying, you know, what's the deal here? It's those it's those moments under pressure that really make you wonder, you know, can he handle a more you know, uncertain environment? Can he navigate through those challenging situations um, that he's going to face when he doesn't have, uh, you know, a roster that's vastly exceeding what what the competition is in most cases um and in the national championship game for for instance i mean you're dealing with nfl players like crazy on the georgia defense and i mean he has those moments where the pass rush comes he doesn't know what to do it breaks down he has the tendency to just try to skirt out of it with his athleticism because that's a major positive he has that twitchy ability to bounce out of you know out of the pocket and make plays with his feet but when that doesn't work when he can't get outside he's usually going down he's not looking downfield he's not trying to find somebody down the field so that's definitely something where you you got to work on that if in terms of his uh, evaluation another thing is like you have a lot of really really top-notch throws in his tape like yeah. My my thing when I see, you know, one of those throws, I'll just write dime in all caps in <laughs> yeah. my in my notes. And then if it if it really drop drop my jaw, I'll write it again. And he's got a few where it's like double dimes. Like yep. I'm sitting yep. there like, whoa, holy, you know. Yep. But at the same time, he's got some WTF picks. Like mm-hmm. I'm I'm sitting there, he throws a pick and I'm I just write, WTF was that, Bryce? What are you doing? Like so it's not a it's not a complete profile. He doesn't have, you know, he doesn't have a bulletproof evaluation. And he has an entire another season to prove us, you know, to prove that he deserves to be in that top one, top three, you know, NFL situation. Um, but right now, yeah, there's there's definitely room to grow for this player. Yeah, and my my favorite stat for Bryce Young to kinda help me explain how I feel about him is I I feel like there was a lot of help from Jamison Williams. Like, hmm. more than you you think. Because it's like, how much effect does a wide receiver have on a football game? Well, 
Bryce Young had a 97 passing grade per PFF on deep center throws. Who do you think's catching those balls? <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you who. It's Jamison Williams running a post route and splitting two safeties. And Bryce Young, he delivers a, a pretty deep ball. But the thing that worries me, like you said, with those dimes that he's throwing and then the WTF, I think this all comes back down to the Alabama scheme. I think they have an incredible offense, offensive design. And this, and then you just need a quarterback with a good arm and you don't force them to process a lot because I, I don't think that you see Bryce Young processing very much because when he does, that's when it seems like he's struggling, when he's going on to his second, third, fourth reads. And that's when you see a lot of the checkdowns. That's when you see Brian Robinson getting little dump-offs in the flat, and that's cool. And But it's it's hard to, to look at a prospect and say, well, I don't know if he's great at making reads and then trying to put him in the NFL and putting him in the NFL system. And so that's where I think the, the Alabama – offensive scheme kind of kind of buoys you where it makes it a lot easier on you and then they also obviously have some of the most talented players you saw they had two players go top 10 with Jameson Williams and Evan Neal and then uh, obviously Brian Robinson and John Mechie and so on and so forth also all got drafted this year so he'll have less talent next year but I'm sure they'll have a huge influx coming in anyway yeah, it's when you talk about the scheme, that's something we're going to have to talk about with our Ohio State quarterback coming up as well. Absolutely. And we've had a lot of we, – we have a big sample size with both of these schools now in terms of pro performance. And obviously we're not – you can't scout the helmet, right? But when we see, you know, how does Bryce Young function – in the offense in comparison to a guy like Mac Jones or Tua. And for me, starting with arm talent, he has more arm talent than those two players, in my opinion. Mac Jones was an incredible technician, maybe the most, the most impressive technician that I've ever scouted in terms of, you know, you don't need to have the crazy arm but you have the accuracy that is infallible and it, it allows you to play quarterback in an elite level. Bryce yep. young has the arm talent where you're like, this guy can make any throw on the field. And I feel confident in that, but can he do that consistently? Can we see him hit those throws? Can he, you know, handle pressure better? Can he get some of those glaring mistakes? I mean, he's the guy with only seven picks last year, but at least half of those were just terrible. I mean, like, what are you doing? Yeah. So it's it's hard to say that a guy with, you know, 47 and 7 is making a lot of bad, you know, throws and bad reads. But at the same time, it's like, well, when he does do that, it is a big problem. I mean, he had, you know, interceptions at third and goal and, and throwing a pick in the end zone, things like that. When the, when the pressure is on, when he is expected to perform, then those are some of the areas where he does tend to kind of fall back. Now, I will say this, Auburn, wow. This is a guy who is up and down in the Auburn tape. Mm. Up and down, he starts the game 
pretty poorly, honestly. The first drive was not good. He's coming and going throughout the game. You get to the last drive. It's a game-winning drive from their own end zone, and he puts it together. Right. He's got dimes on that drive. He brings them all the way down, like 96 yards, throws a touchdown with 20 seconds left in the corner of the end zone, 20-yard touchdown. Like, and you see that, and you're like, okay, this guy's got the he's got the makeup to do stuff like this. So let's see it. Let's see it happen. Let's let's see him become an unstoppable force next year. And then we can talk about him being, you know, a bona fide number one pick. Yeah. And I think this just speaks to the quality of this draft class. Yes, exactly. And so we won't have another year like we had in this past draft class where it was like uh, every quarterback has question marks. It's like Bryce Young has a few nits to pick. And that's what we're focusing on. But that's because he was so damn good last year. Right. It's like you got to find a few holes to, you know, make it a conversation about why why is he not number one on my list? Well, this this is why. And I just think these two guys are better NFL products. But Bryce Young is damn good at football, and he deserves to be a top three pick in the NFL, if not number one, based on just his stature right now. Yeah, and that's that's exactly it. I mean, we have to bring up the the challenges with the with the player because the rest of it's so damn good. Like he's he's a great great prospect in my in my opinion. Um, number three for me. Yeah, interested to see where he falls on your list. Will Levis. Yeah. So obviously, you're gonna hear this one a lot. Is Will Levis Josh Allen. No. No. Because we're going to hear that. We're going to hear that for the rest of time about any tall, big armed quarterback with mobility. He's got to be white, too. Any, yes. Yeah. I mean, it's going to happen forever. And I've already, you know, you're already going to hear this and you're going to hear it even more through the season. But yeah. he's not, he's not Josh Allen. Let's get that out of the way. What? But what he. <laughs> What he is, is exactly that. He is a a big player. Uh, I mean, he's, he's got the size that you're looking for. He has athletic ability. He's a bruiser. He's not afraid to make, you know, to hit somebody when he's running, which, you know, you could say that's a negative, but you tell him, hey, get down, buddy. We got to, we got to save you. He'll, he can kick that habit, but he's a competitor. You see that you see that sort of X factor mentality that he has on the field. He's a, he's an animated player. So what does he actually look like when he's playing football though? It's pretty up and down for me. Yeah. I, I, I'm not going to lie. Like I, I went into the, I went into it, you know, this is a name that was getting a lot of buzz last year. I was excited to watch him. He is a firm step down from the top two for me at this point in time. Yep. And, and that's, that's you know not to say that like we like we've been saying with everybody (laughs) with another season under his belt he has a major opportunity to prove himself as a more consistent quarterback can he be a little bit more consistent get rid of some of those just blatant errors I mean there are blatant errors in his tape Um, this is a guy with you know more interceptions than most of the guys we're talking about today 
last season, 24 touchdowns, 13 picks. Yep. And he's he's got some of those, you know, why are you doing that? Why are you, why are you throwing that ball type of stuff? But when he flashes, when he flashes, you see it. You see those the, the big-time throws, the huge arm coupled with the athleticism, and it's a guy that projects, you know, he projects in that sort of top five mold. He, he's got those traits as a quarterback. So this is where this turns into a fantasy football podcast for me rather than right. a, a NFL draft scouting podcast because do I think Bryce Young is a better quarterback than Will Levis? Yes. Do I think Will Levis will be better at fantasy football than Bryce Young? Also, yes. And that's because of Will Levis's rushing. Uh, he He's at number two for me. Uh, he reminds me of Carson Wentz uh, a lot. It's And this is not Carson Wentz as of you know two years ago where he forgot how to play football. But this is Carson Wentz coming out of college where it was like, you see the the ball sing out of his hand and that thing goes and you see the kind of aggressive rushing where it's one of us is going down i'm not sliding so let's figure it out when the pads meet and that's that's kind of how will levis approaches football and that it's the uh, you're right. We're gonna hear the Josh Allen comparisons because he he's a raw quarterback with a big arm and he's a physical runner, and I hate that because <laughs> Josh Allen is likely gonna be a one of one, and so we need to stop throwing that comparison around. Just like we can't compare every fast black quarterback to Lamar Jackson, that it's it's not a thing. He won an MVP, guys. This is that's not a fair comparison to any college player. I think Carson Wentz is a more fair comparison for Will Levis. So it's funny you say that because my comp for Desmond Ritter last year was Carson Wentz. And I, the first game that I watched of Will Levis, I was like, this kind of looks like Desmond Ritter to me. <laughs> this doesn't look like a top five quarterback prospect. This yeah. looks like Desmond Ritter. But the more you get into it, the more you start to see those traits really jump off the screen. I mean, Desmond Ritter, Carson Wentz too, athletic players. They can they can run, they're physical, you know, pass the line of scrimmage, things of that nature. But Will Levis has elite arm traits that you can say, okay, like, yeah, if he can put this together, if he can make these throws consistently that he pops off screen with sometimes, then yeah. Then you have games like Florida yeah, where he has 87 <laughs> passing yards. And I believe like 65 of those were Wandale after the catch. Yeah. That was disgusting. So you talk about Jameson Williams kind of, you know, and maybe yes. helping out Bryce young a little bit. Wandale was doing a lot for will. Absolutely. He was, I was going to say so that. We're gonna, yep. Yeah. We're going to have an opportunity to see the Kentucky offense minus Wandale this year and see, you know, does that affect him? Does taking out an NFL playmaker like that, does that affect his, his overall performance? You know, that's, that's not necessarily fair at this point in time to factor that into, you know, the traits that he possesses and the sort of evaluation that you put on him. But yeah, he's got a lot to prove this year for me, at least. Absolutely. And Watching Levis's tape made me feel 
bad about not having a few shares of Wandale. Because <laughs> I was like watching, I was like, God, Wandale Robinson just makes Man. plays. Oh, but, electric. Uh, Levis, he, he has this poise in the pocket that no other quarterback in this class has where he stands tall and he navigates. He has great footwork. He knows when to take off. He generally knows when to hit a check down or an underneath receiver. Sometimes he doesn't. Like I said before, he does seek out contact sometimes, which isn't great. But a lot of the times those those Wandale plays are coming when Wandale runs like a jet or a kind of motion and then he's sitting in the flat waiting. Levis runs out of time, dumps it off to him. Wandale makes an incredible play. That 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 seemed to happen a lot on the tape that I was watching. So but the thing that comes with the poise that Levis has in the pocket, he is completely ignorant to what's going on on his blind side. Yep. My this man has no like there's the quarterbacks that can feel when it's going to happen, they step up and they slide past that left tackle and make like the most famous is Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Kyler Murray, kind of Dak is really good at it, feeling that blindside pressure and not having to look and keeping your eyes downfield. Levis has none of that at all. And that that ends up in some bad sacks that he takes, some strip sacks that he takes where he's getting hit in the back. Kind of gives me flashbacks to Dan Jones where he'll he'll just not – he'll no awareness that that guy's behind him, and then he'll get strip-sacked. And so that that makes me very nervous. But if, if he can kind of develop that field, that internal clock, that one, two, three, okay, someone's probably there. I got I to gotta get moving a little bit. And I, I feel like he will because he is very poised and he kind of understands game feel. He, he has that. But that stood out starkly for me that he's just like – yeah, oblivious to that that backside pass rusher. Yep, I, I noticed that as well, and that's yeah. He's like I said, there's he's got he's number three on this list in a very strong what I would consider to be so far a very strong quarterback class. That's saying something. He's got those sorts of you know huge traits and from a fantasy perspective. Like you said, I mean he if he puts it together you're yeah. talking about a guy that's got that immense two-way upside so yeah and he could be like he'll be a goal line back yeah. in an offense <laughs> yes. like he he will he did a lot of QB sneaks he jumped over the pile i mean you could put him QB power you could do a lot of different things with him on the goal line read option all that kind of stuff and uh, i'm sure nfl offense could get very creative with him well that clears the way it does. For our number one, and it's we are consensus on this. Wasn't sure what to think about it because, like he said, I mean Bryce Young's name's been out there for for a while. I haven't looked at much. I don't. I don't know where people are on these guys right now. But C.J. Stroud is my number one quarterback, and he's yours as well. So, what do you like about Stroud? The arm. <laughs> the his arm is the best in this class, and. It's like he might not have a stronger arm than Levis, but it's probably as strong and it's more accurate. And I, so my problem watching CJ Stroud is it's like watching Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, and Jackson Smith and Jigba's highlights like spliced together. But he got him the ball, man. And it, it was like 
the beginning of the season was rocky. And there was a, people chanting in Ohio State to, to bench him. And then he came back and just went on a tear down the stretch. And it honestly was incredible from the Rutgers game on. He only had one game under 300 yards. He had multiple over 400, one game over 500 yards against Utah. I mean, he just silenced the haters. He did basically the opposite of Rattler, where Rattler had all this hype, and then he had a couple bad games and bottomed out. CJ Stroud had a couple bad games, and he took off, man. And it, it is apparent. And he was comfortably my number one. Uh, yeah, same. I I was not expecting it to be that way, but I there at the end of the day, there was never a debate for me. And my first impression of Stroud was last season watching tape on these receivers, watching the Oregon game. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, this guy? Yeah. This is the next top quarterback prospect? What are we doing? Then you find out. <laughs> you find out what happened over the course of the season. You get to a game like Michigan State in week 12 where I literally was watching that game and like the all of a sudden the players are running off the field and I was like, oh, damn, that was a really, really good game. That was a crazy game. It was halftime. <laughs> yeah. He had six touchdowns Oh, and man. it was halftime. I was I was so like that's the best tape I've watched of any quarterback yet. That 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 was so good. It was one half. He he literally destroyed Michigan State. Terrible pass defense. He did what he was supposed to do. He looked yeah. like an elite elite quarterback in that game. I mean, he was hitting every throw that you want all levels of the field. I mean, we got to talk about the scheme though. Yes, that's that's where I was going to go next. It's like Somebody listening to this is sitting here like, how the f- do you have Bryce Young under C.J. Stroud when C.J. Stroud has three top 15 NFL picks that he's throwing to and a super friendly scheme? But where do you where do you sit on that? I'm it's it's challenging. It's very challenging because we you know we watch Justin Fields even go back to Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne Haskins, I mean, these are not the same player, but to paint the picture, you talk about a guy like Haskins who has an incredible, incredible season. And he doesn't necessarily have the traits to back it up. And then we see what happens at the NFL level. Guy like Justin Fields has the traits that is to be seen. What does it look like? I mean, he, you know, all of them struggled in their rookie season, but in in a lot of regards, it was a fairly promising season for fields in a terrible situation. Yep. So to me, it's like Stroud. I'm, I'm trying to separate it as much as I can. And so that that's just the scheme. I haven't even, you know, we don't even got to the top NFL wide receivers that are running wild for him. I mean, it's already such a friendly scheme for a quarterback. Then we're talking about, you know, two top 20, two, two top 12 NFL wide receivers and another one on the way. 
Yeah. And that's who he's working with. And they're always open. I mean, he's not making a lot of those tight window throws because because those guys are always open. It's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. So what 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 I was, you know, looking for there was was he handling pressure well? Was he going through the progressions well? Was he consistently dominating in terms of a placement? Such like in terms of ball placement, because if these guys are wide open, you better be hitting them every single time. And he was, I mean, for the most part, you, you didn't see a lot of, you know, boneheaded, you know, what are you doing there with that throw? It's a lot of on the money, 45 yards down the field to Chris Olave for a touchdown. Yeah. You aren't seeing him under throw his guys. That's the thing. He, I think he made them look better, even though they're already incredible. And so he he wasn't actively like making their life harder. And that's that's kind of I guess what you're looking for. But on top of that, he improved throughout the season. That that's where I keep coming back to is like after that what was it, the Tulsa game where you had 160 yards passing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, or Tulsa had 185 yards yeah. passing. And that that could have been a point of contention for him. But instead, he goes on to dominate every game. And that that is where it's like, no, it's not only the supporting cast that's creating opportunity for him. It's also him taking initiative, getting better, learning, and creating a better ecosystem for that offense to develop. And so even though next year, again, we probably won't see him making a ton of challenging, difficult throws because the scheme's obviously not going to change. It's been working great for Ohio State. And they also still have Jackson Smith and Jigba, who we assume is going to improve and he'll be their wide receiver one. And they have Marvin Harrison Jr., who's incredible. And we'll probably be talking more about him later. Uh, check in in the 2025 or 2024 <laughs> campers. I'm not sure when he's eligible. Um, but, yeah, uh, C.J. Stroud, it's like every throw feels like it could be made in the NFL game. And that's where it's important. And I would love to see him – challenged more and hopefully we can see that more next year but it it just feels like the ball placement is great but I need to I I really want to see him drop it like between a linebacker and a safety onto a covered guy but unfortunately based on the talent he probably won't have to yeah I I mean it the season culminates to to sum up the progression element the season culminates into the bowl game against Utah where he goes 562 six touchdowns one pick yeah I mean it's it's unbel- and that was without those players that was without Wilson and Olave so he had Jackson and we know what he did in that game but <laughs> Stroud was there facilitating and yeah I mean I am so excited I'm so excited to watch Stroud this year because, like, yeah. that progression that w- that we keep referencing, like, if that translates into this second season being, you know, a Heisman, you know, he, if he wins the Heisman this year, which I certainly could picture happening, I think he walks out of this year bona fide number one pick. 
Yeah, I definitely agree. And Jack, uh, another thing, real quick, <laughs> before we close on CJ Stroud, the fact that he didn't rely on one of these receivers, I love. I love that it wasn't like, oh, Garrett Wilson's the guy. It wasn't, oh, Chris Olave's the guy. It wasn't, oh, Jackson Smith and Jake was the guy. All three of them had incredible seasons. And that that's a testament to C.J. Stroud kind of going through his progressions, making the right reads, and distributing the ball effectively to everybody. Man. Yeah. These quarterbacks. It, it feels pumped. good to be back. It does. It feels incredible to be back. Last year was, you know, quite a step back from what we had been seeing, especially in contrast to 2020. I don't think we're at 2020 levels, but it's yeah. good. It's it's yeah. looking very, very good. And a lot of these guys, like we referenced many times, have a lot of opportunity to grow. This this college football season is going to present a, a major opportunity for a lot of these guys to to take that necessary leap forward and we could see a, a year where it's four three four five quarterbacks in the first round potentially i could see that there's tr- there's traits up and down this list that we, that we just ran through and more beyond it honestly yeah i, I love it I, I love seeing good quarterback classes and These are the guys that you will be hearing about all year. And so this is, I mean, the next check-in we're going to have is going to be our next quarterback's pod probably. Yep. So this is our preliminary thoughts preseason. This is August 1st. Uh, And so hopefully these don't age like milk. Well, we'll see. Yeah, and we'll get to, we'll get a chance to to follow them through the season, obviously. But yeah, final evaluations uh, that's a long ways away. So there's a lot of a lot of time in between now and then. Um, but with that being said, it's time to intro our brand new hallmark segment. We're gonna bring this in every week. It's gonna be the it's gonna be the closer on every show. Excited about it. Called Campfire Stories here at Camp Dynasty. So, Colin, do you have a story to share at the at the campfire tonight? I do. So, I went to work uh, about last week, and I got a notification on my phone. It said, Kentucky quarterback likes to drink his coffee with mayonnaise. And I was like, no, that's a, that headline's wrong. And then I watched the video of my QB2, Will Levis, putting mayonnaise in his coffee. Uh, grounds for arrest, maybe. Um, he was almost off of my list. My fiance Liz, was like, y- you can't have that guy in the podcast. You can't talk about him. But I think this is a great reason to talk about him. But the best thing about it is this is not his first offense. If you remember some time ago, Will Levis also eats his bananas with the peel on. Oh, no. Yeah. So 
This is strike two for Will Levis, and if if I see a ketchup on steak scenario, that, that'll be strike three, Will, and you, you'll be off of my board. Decision-making. It's it's plummeting. He's a yeah. terrible decision-maker. Oh, that was that was so gross, though. I yeah. When I saw that little Will in the camp cafe dumping mayo in his cup of joe, I was yeah. like, Will, buddy, you got to leave, man. Yeah. I can't watch this. Almost kicked him right out of Camp Dynasty. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, I have a story to share as well. So I'm walking through camp one day. It's a beautiful day here at Camp Dynasty, sun shining right by the lake. Hear the birds chirping. And then I see this kid. He's wearing a bandana, and he's wearing a shirt that says, I piss teal. His name is Grayson McCall. (laughs) So, Mr. McCall is the quarterback of the Coastal Carolina football team, which if anybody watched or followed along with college football last year, you would recognize Coastal Carolina as that sort of Cinderella-esque undefeated run that was happening for a few weeks, and they were getting a lot of national buzz. And they, they finished the season very well. They had a bowl game, etc. And Grayson was the one leading the charge, and he started to make some headlines for his personality. He, he came, he, there was rumors that he was going to transfer because he had an exceptional season. He said, I'm not going anywhere because I pissed Teal. Now the shirts are coming out because he can make money off of those. Right. So if you're interested in that, you can order one sometime soon, I believe. But he's also getting sponsorships from NASCAR tracks, from all these sorts of things. So... Grayson has that sort of pull to him. He walks around camp, and, and he's he's got all the eyes on him. What does he look like as a quarterback? <laughs> well, would you believe me if I told you that Grayson McCall was PFF's highest-graded passer in the 2021 college football season? I, I mean, I, I would believe you now that you said it because I, I trust you <laughs> that I with everything. Like that. Yeah. He was. He was the he was the number one graded passer from PFF last year. So he's got the swag. He's got the he's got supposedly, according to the numbers, the ability. So I watched Grayson, okay? He plays at Coastal Carolina. He's kind of undersized. They run a lot of triple option. There's not a lot of those throws that I'm looking for. So Grayson gets pushed down my rankings a little bit. But one thing about Grayson McCall that I want to bring up here on this episode, outside of the fact that he has this sort of allure, this merchandising capability, an almost Gardner Minshew-esque persona is developing with him. And honestly, he's, he's the kind of guy that I could see in that sort of Gardner Minshew mold where he's a fifth round pick and suddenly he's thrown into a situation where he might actually get some playing time in the NFL. That is because he has two traits that I saw that I said, you know what? If there was more here, I might actually have this guy 
fairly high on my list. Footwork and awareness in the pocket. You talk about guys that can feel pressure. He's got it. He will he will move around anybody. He will move through the pocket, up through the pocket, deliver throws, move side to side, feel backside pressure like he has eyes in the back of his head. He has that type of ability in the pocket. So then I'm sitting there like, whoa, like that that's kind of different from some from some of the other guys I'm watching. And then the fact that he doesn't have the biggest arm, but all of a sudden, after about eight triple option plays, he puts one on the boundary over two defenders and you start saying, whoa, does he have arm talent? (laughs) So I just want to bring that up because as we approach the college football season, he's still at Coastal Carolina. They are a rising program. They'll probably be on TV a little bit again this year. Keep an eye out for Grayson. If you see him rocking his shirt and his bandana and looking like Gardner Minshew 2.0, now you'll you'll know who we're talking about here. Yeah, one of the the coolest kids in Camp Dynasty. Um, yeah, didn't didn't mention him in either of our top five lists. Um, no, but he's a Mister Steal Your Girl type. Exactly, he doesn't need to play at the level of these other guys. He's already got the swagger. Yeah, he's just a a fun guy, and a guy that you might want to like hang out with. I don't know if you want to play on his team. Uh, he's a little bit of a system product, like you were saying. Uh, remind a little bit of a Matt Corral kind of thing going on where it's like, oh yeah, they're just going to run an RPO every play. And then every once in a while, he'll make the throw because they'll bite a little too hard. And yeah, Grayson with the triple option, same thing where it's like, yeah, they're just going to run triple option. Ah, oh, damn it. He beat me deep. <laughs> well, another trip. Nope, yeah. not another triple option. But yeah, th- this is a you know, guy you see around camp and it's like, oh yeah, I want to be, be cool with that guy. I want to go to his cabin. I like that you said, I like that you said Matt Corral because I literally wrote some Matt Corral vibes with with Grayson. So yeah, Yeah. similar players. Excited to see what he does this year, honestly. And you know, until then, I'm looking forward to crushing a few beers with him at Camp Dynasty. Am I right? Absolutely. All right. Well, that is all we have this week. And next week is the running back episode. Ooh, that's exciting. We've already gotten to talk about a few of these guys on our on our last on the on the big board show, but we are going to get super in detail with with our initial you know valuations of these guys. Talk about a few more names to look out for, but overall, as we sort of alluded to, very fun, very deep, and honestly, very top heavy. It's it's just a very good running back class. So this it's going to be a fun one. Absolutely, I'm super excited to get into these guys. This is going to be a what one of the deeper running class running back classes in recent years 100%. So we will be back next week with that and until then have a great week. <laughs>